Well, there's so many dynamics of ourselves, right? And imagine trying to give equal portions to all of those different selves. You will be burnt out, you'll be tired, you'll be frustrated, you'll be aggravated, you wouldn't be able to truly function in the way that you want it to. But ultimately the goal is to create harmony. So when you look at an orchestra, right? The orchestra is made up of different instruments. It's not created to house the same instruments across the board. You have the brass section, you have the string section, you have the um, percussion section, and each instrument serves its purpose to create a beautiful medley of a song. So finding ways to be harmonious with those different components of yourself creates more of a higher self-esteem, more confidence in who you are, and you become more accepting over time and you're able to flourish in your natural gifts instead of trying to adjust and assimilate to what is opposite of like your natural talents. We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University, and class is in session. And we are live. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carl Bourne Jr. And I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Chang. Paul, say what's up to the people. What up, what up, what up? It's a good day to be alive. Amen, amen. All right, so without further ado, you guys know we love to bring you special guests that just give you all types of value. And of course... This week is no exception. This episode is going to be filled with tons of gems for you to be able to take away, make sure your mental health is in a good state. Without further ado, I do want to go ahead and introduce the lovely Miss Sierra Hillsman. Sierra, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we like to be respectful of our guest time. So we're just going to hop right into it and just right off the bat, tell us, why did you choose to pursue a career in counseling as a therapist? Okay. Well, let me like backtrack. So I'm an alum of the University of South Florida. And initially I started off with uh, communication sciences and disorders. Um, That was my main major. And then I double majored in psychology. I just hopped into psychology because I had a TA that said that uh, a person who majors in psychology will be more likely to get a job over somebody who has like a general business degree. So I was just like, okay, cool. Not knowing that that will like slay the platform or, or set up the stage for me to enter into counseling. Um, after I graduated, I had took a year off because I was experiencing like this postgraduate crisis. I didn't really know what to do. Here I am in 2013 with two degrees and a minor, not in the field that I had chosen. I went through uh, undergrad, got to uh, towards the end and realized that this really isn't what I really want to do. And so I had a real heart to heart with myself and just figured, okay, let's try something new while I'm young rather than getting into a field thinking that, okay, this is it, and not really loving it. So 
I relocated to Metro Atlanta to get into the music industry. And um, I didn't want to be an artist, but I did want to support artists that were quality, like those, you know, hidden gems within the music industry that really don't get the shine or the light. And so um, my profile, Ari, she currently works in public relations in New York. She was just like, why don't you try PR? So I moved up here and I started just like dibbling and dabbling in PR. I worked works for a uh, major labels and corporations, award shows and stuff like that. And uh, I had like a family issue in 2014, the same year that I moved. A real close family member of mine, he was experiencing suicidal homicidal ideation. And for those who don't know the difference between ideation and just like suicide in general, like ideation is just more of like the thoughts of wanting to kill themselves, wanting to kill other people. And it was real tough because in Florida, it's called like Baker Acton, but up here in Georgia, it's 1013. So um, that individual ended up getting help. Uh, and it just made me realize the importance of mental health within our culture, within our community. Here's an individual that I've known my entire life, grew up with, and it was just hard because, you know, like within our homes, we are so used to like living from paycheck to paycheck. We struggle with even going to the doctor or, or a lot of the men struggle to go to the doctor, let alone trying to go to a therapist. And then I just realized how important it is to destigmatize mental illness or mental health within communities of color. Because traditionally we'll say, okay, you either have to pray away or your faith isn't enough or you're lazy or uh, this is all just a point of the government to put another diagnosis on our people, all of these things. And so I really wanted to go into the counseling field to be an advocate, to gain all the information that I needed in order to hold workshops and like conversations within every space imaginable, whether it's in schools, churches, uh, coffee shops, whatever. But after I got into the program, I was just like, man, it's, it's one thing to be an advocate, but it's another thing to be a counselor. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that there was representation within our communities. It's hard enough to get people like us to go to therapy, but if they were able to enter into a room and see a person with locks or the same color skin, it, it kind of brings the guard down a, a lot more. And so uh, that's just uh, my journey into how I got into counseling. <laughs> That's deep. That's deep. Uh, let me ask you this real quick. So like, you know, I love that you pointed out that there is a difference between like being an advocate and being, you know, a counselor. Um, but when you're kind of going into um, starting something new, right? Mm -hmm. What what do you say is your creative process like when you're starting something new, when you're venturing into like a new portion of your field of what it is you're doing? Um, let me think about that. When I'm starting something new, for me, I do a lot of research, right? So initially, I try to gain as much knowledge about it to make sure that this is what I want to do. Um, there's a quote uh, from J. Cole that says, like, uh, what was the song? Love Yours. When he says, like, um, the good news is that you went the, long, the right way. Like, no, the good news is, is that you went uh, you came a long way. The bad news is, is that you went the wrong way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like before any decision I make in my life, I want to make sure that I'm going the right way because, you know, time is of the essence, right? We can never get that time. So I just try my best to make sure that this is something that's not only going to be lucrative for me, but also going to set me up to be able to help other people. Um, everything that I do is with intentionality. So um, like I'm very 
I'm very cognizant of like my gifts, my talents, my treasure, all of those things, because I want to make sure that it's just going to leave me a lasting legacy, but also something that's going to leave impact as well. I like that. I like that. When you talk about uh, leaving legacy and, and, and leaving an impact, I think that it's been very evident, you know, that that's something that you are really moving towards being able to do. And I mean, you're, you're doing it right now. And so that kind of leads me into uh, the next question that I had for you. So mental wellness for the creative. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about that. What was, what was your inspiration behind creating that? Okay, so um, my business is called Legacy Speaks, and my tagline is actually mental wellness for the culture. And um, the book, the journal that I created, Mental Wellness for the Creative, I just created a book that was specifically for me and the individuals that I come across on a continuous basis. Um, so how I feel is like a creative is anybody. It can be like a painter, a musician, a culinary artist, a photographer, a videographer. You guys are podcasters. You create. So anybody who creates something, entrepreneurs, everybody creates something. And so I know oftentimes like us, it's a huge struggle to tend to your mental health because we deal with comparison, trying to figure out is this going to hit, um, trying to have like enough faith within yourself to even put it out there. Um, and then uh, like just a couple of things like crisis safety plans, those are things that I've included, uh, accountability sheets that are in there. Um, prompts to help you get those juices flowing, encouraging you to make a profit off of the things that you made. Because, you know, it's all fun and games uh, until it's time to pay the bills, you know. <laughs> um, just finding ways to create multiple streams of income. And the beautiful thing is, it's like, creativity is like a vine, right? It just continues to grow and it branches off into other different avenues and different places. And so not limiting ourselves and our creative abilities, because with one uh, idea, many things um, move forward and flow forward. So that's that's what I, I based it on. It's just trying to make sure that we uh, increase our insight. That way that can create space for us to create more things and more things and more things. So I want to kind of get a little deeper into that, right? Because, right, you know, we love we love getting deep on this podcast. Um, you know, if, if somebody's like, somebody's listening and they're asking themselves, okay, but how did she actually go about doing it right in, spe in specific let's even talk about the mental wellness for the culture conference right mm -hmm. what steps did you take to to be able to start that and to be that to, to be able to actually bring that into being and in existence definitely so with the actual conference it was a number of things originally i was going to hold it in april during counseling awareness month uh, when I do things, I plan. So for anybody who is in content creation or anything like that, especially if you're in the health field, if you go and Google awareness month or uh, awareness calendars, there's just a number of things that are out there that you can create content around. So that way, if you're hosting an event, if you are trying to build your blog or you're trying to put out a video or whatever, um, you can start creating your content months in advance and start um, breaking things down. So I wanted to do it in April, but 
one of my mentors was just like, everybody's going to be flocking to that month. Why don't we focus on a month that is uh, more, that is going to be a lot better for you. And so I was just like, well, uh, Minority Mental Health or BIPOC Mental Health Month is actually in July. So she was just like, cool. Uh, and it was perfect because COVID had hit probably around like what, like March and April. So uh, around that time, a lot of individuals were struggling to switch to virtual. And so she was like, take full advantage of making of all of the things that are available since it is a digital platform. And so for anybody who is trying to conceive a thing, your team is important. Make sure that you have somebody that's going to breathe life into you or try to provide a perspective that you may not see. Because I feel like if I would have aimed for April, um, COVID was just hitting around that time. People were struggling to try to get things together. So I don't know how uh, good it would have been to launch that event. But with July, people are still working from home. People are kind of settling in and I can gain their attention more. So um, crazy thing enough though, even though I had July like hit, uh, I only was able to execute it within that month because I was just like, oh, we're just gonna jump right in and do everything. I did 95% of that stuff by myself. And I don't advise anybody ever doing that. Um, but if this is your first event, you're really trying to push something out, you're really trying to bet it all on yourself, sometimes you really gotta carry the load for your own dream. You can't, you can't um, expect everybody to be on board. You really gotta just put in the work and everybody else will follow. So for me, I already knew, I was just like, okay, let me leverage the relationships that I have. And like, not necessarily saying like low hanging fruit, but people that I know for a fact are gonna show up and show out and give the people what I want them to. So first I started off with a vision. This is the impact that I wanna make. These are the things that I wanna do. I knew that I wanted it to be a two day conference. I sat down and I planned out when it would start, when it would end. I made sure there were breaks in between. I tried to, tried to tie in community partners, um, all of those things. And so for anybody who is working on something, look at your, your partners. Make sure that you are tapping into those individuals that you're building relationships with. Uh, I, I want to say a good amount, maybe like 90% of the people who were a part of my conference, I had interviewed previously before. I featured them on my YouTube channel because um, I, I have uh, counselor chats that I do. I retweeted or reposted their events. Uh, I showed up and showed out with their stuff. And so they really love and appreciate the fact that like, okay, here is a young lady who's new in the field. She's a, a licensed associate professional counselor. She's not even a fully licensed counselor just yet, but she's really taking on the torch even before she gets full licensure. So just do the work. It doesn't matter where you're at. Um, even with you guys, because I know you guys are in the phys physical therapy space and you have to do your hours, you have to do all of these things, but you're literally Taking, taking it upon yourself to do amazing things even before you, you get fully licensed, I'm guessing. But yeah, so that's what I ended up doing, just making it easier on myself, scheduling things out. And then I already know how to promote myself, I already know how to design, whatever I didn't know how to do, I uh, went to Fiverr and found somebody to do it. I had somebody do my landing page on my website to drive traffic to my website instead of a separate landing page. Uh, even when my uh, freelancer couldn't do the job, I kicked him off and ended up doing it myself. 
Um, but just making sure that like you, if you have a vision and you want it to be done a certain way, stay committed to it. And don't let anybody uh, talk you out of it, try to slow you down because I've had people try to tell me, well, you're overworking yourself. And at the time when I was doing the conference, I was working my main job and working my PRN job at the same time. So utilizing my breaks to send emails, to do conference calls, to check in, to do everything. Like your dream is on your shoulders. So that's, that's just pretty much it. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I think... I think a lot of what you just said is so critical because there are a lot of, you know, we've been using the word creatives. There are a lot of creatives out there who they don't realize that they're self-sabotaging by not executing on something because of external um, forces, you know, that are swaying them towards not doing whatever it is that they want to do. And so even, even for you, you know, you have figured out a way to, you know, you said it, he didn't, the, the guy didn't know what he was doing. So you were like, yo, you got to go, like, I'll do it myself, you know? And I think a lot of people don't have that mindset and it's very easy for that to happen. And then they get stuck and it's like, okay, I don't know where to go now. And so for you, it's very evident that you have a you have a, a process too behind how you kind of do things. And so what I want to ask you is when you are planning out content to put out there, what is the process like with that? And like what tools are you using to help you be able to make sure that everything is done correctly the way that you would want it to be done? Okay. Um, for me, I use templates. Before, I used to try to create different things all the time, but you have to really be honest with yourself. And I think like relentless honesty is something that I, I practice with my patients and I, with my clients. And I also have to practice with myself. What is working? What is not working? Be reasonable with my time. So yes, I am a W-2 employee, but I'm also an entrepreneur and like I'm building a brand. And so I have to make sure that I'm taking care of not only myself, but the things that I am held accountable for. So I create just general templates with Canva. I may spruce them up with PicMonkey because like that's another application. It's kind of like a Adobe Illustrator or even Adobe Photoshop. So I spruce it up there. Um, then I take my time and figure out, okay, well, do I want to do carousels on Instagram? What am I trying to pitch? What am I trying to use? And can I take the same thing and post it on other outlets? So uh, I know a lot of people say just choose one and then work that, but I am a huge proponent of taking content and just putting them everywhere, like cross-pollinating. So what I put on Instagram, you'll also see on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. It'll start off with YouTube. I'll, I'll film my YouTube video. Then I will break the YouTube video down into snippets that I can use on those other platforms. Then I'll take the transcription from my YouTube videos and make blog posts that will increase my SEO to my websites and whatnot. I can also uh, take the transcription and create captions from that as well. So working smarter and not harder. I can also take the transcription and create like email blast content for my email blast so just making it a lot easier for myself because granted 
you may have a large following, but not everybody catches it because of the algorithm. So don't be afraid to start like reusing and refreshing your content so that a fresh pair of eyes can see it. Um, that's one way that I tried my best to, um, to do what you're talking about. I think another thing that I do in terms of planning is taking a day out of the month, whether it's towards the beginning of the month or the end of the month to sit down and create content. So if you have PTO, don't be afraid to utilize your PTO or to sit down and be able to plan out your content for the remainder of the month or just for a certain period of the month. Because I don't like spending my weekends creating content. <laughs> So if I am going to do so, let me utilize that PTO so I can still get paid, <laughs> essentially, and utilize that time just to do what I have to do within that window. So treating my, my passion, my hobby, uh, my business um, as something that like, I'm being contracted for because I'm a solopreneur. Um, and a lot of the people that I hire to work for me, they're freelancers and whatnot. So treating it like it's a real job. Because it is. It is. You actually kind of just segued into a question I had for you. Okay. Um, but you know, treating it, treating it, you talked about treating it like it's a it's like it's a real job, treating it like um the way you want it to be treated, right? And I kind of want to ask you, you know, just if that same relationship should apply to people and and their therapists, right? Be meaning like, do you believe that people should treat their therapist like it's just casual dating or how should like people go about it you know like yo it's my therapist it's like do I treat it the same way I treat my barber like is that's my one and only and yeah. I don't go anywhere else or is it just like you know I got a therapist I pop in sometimes I don't sometimes like how should people treat that as well well um the first thing that you need to ask yourself are what are your mental health goals right um, and so like, do you plan on being with this therapist for only a couple of months? Or are you looking for somebody who's in for the long haul? And uh, usually people only start seeing a therapist because of like distress, emotional distress, or um, a situation that they're struggling with, whether they're grieving or like trauma or whatever. So what are your goals first? Um, then when you're interviewing a therapist because it's okay to ask them questions like that's the best thing that you can do ask them what is their specialty um let them know what your treatment goals are and their and and what their background is like their clinical expertise so that you can make sure that this is the right one it's kind of like your barber right i'm pretty sure well now on instagram you can find a barber a really good barber through a hashtag and you can see how their lineup is. You can see uh, what their rates are. You can see how many people go to them and all that jazz. I mean, it's kind of like that with the therapist. You can go to uh, so many directories, whether it's like therapy for black girls, therapy for black men, psychology today. And you can look that particular counselor up. You can call their office, ask them questions. You can do a consultation. Some of them charge for their consultations, but others don't. And check in with them. Also, uh, check to see if you do have insurance and, and what your insurance actually covers, whether that's outpatient treatment, inpatient treatment, partial hospitalization. If you happen to have to be hospitalized, will your insurance cover that? Also, check with your employer. Ask them if they have an employee assistance program 
and uh, see, okay, well, maybe long-term therapy isn't your thing. Well, some employers will cover up to six sessions or will cover a certain amount of sessions as well, like dollar amount in sessions. So check to see what your goals are and then from there make that decision. With that, with that being said, I, I think you alluded to it uh, at the beginning of the episode as well. You know, in the in the black community, there's a very big stigma with the whole therapy thing. You know, it's why do we need to go to a therapist? Like, why do we need to be telling people we don't know our own problems? Um, and there's just so much more that goes into it. What do you think, um, in your experience so far, has been the the biggest obstacle you've had to kind of overcome? in terms of being able to show a client like it's okay you know like it's okay for you to talk to me it's okay for you to you know kind of let that guard down and be able to open yourself out to be able to start that process of healing so i currently work in the substance abuse space i initially started off in the, the hospitalization realm so partial hospitalization intensive outpatient inpatient as well. And uh, now that I work in the outpatient substance abuse arena, what I find is a huge struggle uh, is age. So the older you are, the the more uh, constructs I have to break down, right? Especially if you're, you're older and set in your ways. Because um, their belief system is just more like uh, why would you talk to anybody outside of your family about your problems? Like it's cheaper to just talk to us or nobody needs to know your business or what goes on in the house stays in the house. And so a lot of my older clients, they have like this history of trauma, especially men because um, most of my client base is men, individuals who are dealing with homelessness or have matriculated out of prisons or jails, uh, just a constant cycle of like incarceration and recidivism is just a lot. And so just trying to remind them that they are in a safe space. I think number one with any counselor is just trying to find a way to establish therapeutic rapport. And that simply is just building trust with the client, letting them know that every time you step foot in my office, the only time I break confidentiality is if you're suicidal, homicidal, a threat to other individuals and a threat to yourself, or if you have thoughts of self-injury, whether that's cutting, burning, scratching, or hitting yourself, but anything else outside of that, this is your, is your safe zone. You can cry and you will not be judged. As a matter of fact, I have this thing with my clients where like, if they use a tissue, they cannot walk outside of my office without the, with that tissue in their hand. They got to throw it in that trash because I don't want them taking whatever hurt and pain that is still affecting them with them. Um, and so just creating little rule, rules in my space to remind them that every time they step outside of my office and they come back in, it's a-okay. You are all right just for today you will be all right. We're going to work on whatever coping skills needed that are needed to be worked on. Um, we're going to work on processing whatever hurts you or is causing you to have uh, these negative or unhealthy relationships with other people. Um, so just trying my best to make sure that I'm breaking down those walls because it's a lot. It, it really is a lot. Um, I want to ask you a question in relation to 
business owner guilt. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. So, and this is something that I don't like to ask questions that I myself have not had to like think about or deal or no, mm-hmm. um, but I know, um, this whole entrepreneurship thing is, is kind of hard. I ain't gonna lie. You know, it has its days mm-hmm. um, where things are sweet, but most days, some days are just like, yo, this is, this sucks. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think for so many people, right, especially our listeners who want to be entrepreneurs, whether in healthcare or in other fields, and there's this guilt that tends to hit. Um, for me, I know it hit when I decided to go all in, in both my businesses. And the guilt came from understanding like, okay, you know, I'm here going all in sitting while like my girlfriend, for example, is waking up at like 430 in the morning to go and be at the clinic for like 12, 13 hours. Yeah. And I'm starting my work day at 10 a.m. Right. And how, how do people in business kind of address that guilt, whether it's with a significant other, whether it's with a spouse, um, whether it's with a business partner, right? Because I know different people. I'll tell you, Carl and myself, we have our productive times at different times of the day, right? He tends to be more, he can do stuff at night, but me, I'm like eight thirty, nine o'clock. All right. Like it's, it's bedtime. Let's go. But I know there's like some sort of guilt that people tend to deal with because maybe they feel like maybe I'm not working hard enough. Maybe I'm not doing things because there's this persona, I'll call it, um, that says that you have to like sleep 30 minutes every night and you have to be working 23 hours a day and you have to be constantly going, going so that when people take mm-hmm. a moment to, to care for themselves, there's this guilt. You see what I'm saying? Like there's this guilt that hits you. Like by me taking time off, I'm, I'm almost basically not working as hard as I can because people for decades have been saying you need to wake up before the sun's up to get stuff done. So how do people start to address that business guilt um, or that health entrepreneurship guilt, I'll call it, um, where you're trying to figure out at what point can I split the line between I need to take care of me and I need to take care of my responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, one, immediately when you said that, I, I thought, okay, challenging irrational beliefs. Because who told you that you should be X, Y, and Z, or you should be productive during certain times, or like, where are you getting this messaging from? Um, I think a huge part of um, challenging guilt is trying to figure out like these sources of our beliefs. And I want to touch a little bit on like deciphering between like guilt and shame. So shame is I am bad. I am the problem. And whereas guilt is what I am doing is an issue what I am doing is a problem. And I really don't like the word should because should creates these unrealistic expectations on ourselves, right? And I always tell my clients, stop shitting on yourself. You know, like that's problematic. Um, <laughs> but like we're forcing ourselves into these realms or, or into like these, I guess, structures that may not be um, quite frankly, the best for us, right? So during the conference, we were talking about like sleep rhythms and so on and so forth. Like for me, I'm a night owl. I do not like working in the daytime. Um, when I was um, doing mental health assessments and stuff like that, I worked third shift from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And I just thrived. That schedule worked perfect for me. 
Um, but when I started working in the current position that I'm in, I just struggled in the daytime. And I was just like, I can't do this. Either I'm going to have to increase my coffee intake or take naps in between or whatever. And I was just honest with my supervisor, letting them know, like, this is going against my uh, sleep rhythm, my natural sleep pattern. And I just need to figure out how to, to best navigate this so that I can be the best employee. And that's perfectly fine. So working with what, find out what works best for you and own it. Um, there's this uh, treatment modality called acceptance commitment theory. And so with ACT, it teaches us to find a thing, work through it, find the sources of these things and become more accepting of it rather than trying to fight it. Like, okay, uh, you and Carl are two different individuals. Even though y'all are a team, y'all are two separate individuals with two separate belief systems, two separate um, ways of going about doing things. Yes, uh, because of your passion for what you guys love brings you guys together, you are two separate entities. So what works for you may not work for him, but you guys find ways to cohesively work together to make the common, to, 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 uh, to take on like the, to create this common thread. Um, it's kind of like the theory of balance, right? So what I always try to live by is finding ways to create harmony instead of balance. And when I look at balance, I think of balance on the scale, right? In order for the scale to be equal on both sides, it has to have equal weights, right? And so imagine all of those different versions of yourself, right? So we have like our physical selves, our emotional selves, our intellectual selves, our occupational, social, environmental, um, spiritual. There's so many dynamics of ourselves, right? And imagine trying to give equal portions to all of those different selves. You would be burnt out, you'll be tired, you'll be frustrated, you'll be aggravated, you wouldn't be able to truly function in the way that you want it to. But ultimately, the goal is to create harmony. So when you look at an orchestra, right, the orchestra is made up of different instruments. It's not created to house the same instruments across the board. You have the brass section, you have the string section, you have the um, percussion section, and each instrument serves its purpose to create a beautiful medley of a song. So finding ways to be harmonious with those different components of yourself creates more of a higher self-esteem, more confidence in who you are, and you become more accepting over time, and you're able to flourish in your natural gifts instead of trying to adjust and assimilate to what is opposite of like your natural talents. I just have to let that process for a second. Um, <laughs> so, so I kind of, I kind of want to ask um, a little bit more, you know harboring a little bit more, you know, on, on just counseling and being able to, to help people out for, for anyone who may be listening, you know, and they're just, let's say they're, they're burnt out, you know, or let's say that they just have something that they're battling with and they don't necessarily know how they can kind of overcome it. Do you have any steps that you give people to be able to do within the comfort of their own home to kind of, you know, control those those types of thoughts or those types of feelings? Um, because I'm sure that I'm sure just from a standpoint of being in physical therapy, one of the things that we pride ourselves on 
and I'm sure this is all healthcare professions, but it's like, of course, we want to help our patients. We want our patients to, you know, be at the, at, at their peak, essentially. And so for us to be able to help them get back to where they need to be, I think a very critical component of that as well is being able to get them to realize like we're not a crutch, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm sure that with that, there are people or there are clients that they get so used to you being there that they may not essentially know how to cope when they're not within the session. So my question is more along the lines of that, like what, what would be, let's say three, what would be the top three tips that you would give for people that are in that situation? Yeah, so uh, number one, automatically, if you have any thoughts of uh, suicidality or homicidality, or um, if you are dealing with acute psychosis, so active hallucinations, whether it's like physical, audio, or um, just visual, any type, please be sure to call 911. Go to your nearest ER so that you can be safe and you can have a mental health assessment right then and there, and um, they'll be able to provide you services. So that's number one. Um, the first thing is like, especially for anybody that's dealing with anxiety or depression or um, trauma related stuff, I always try to provide grounding techniques. So one common grounding technique is five for five, which brings you fully to the present. So for every sense, one of your five senses, you try to tap in and identify five things for each sense. So five things that you hear, five things that you smell, taste, touch, and uh, see as well. So that's that. Um, the other thing that I try my best to do, especially for uh, other individuals who are struggling with trauma or anxiety, are uh, like grounding tools. So um, sometimes we can be so overwhelmed that we find ourselves uh, in the midst of like that particular traumatic event. Um, and so just trying to bring yourself back into the present, by either grabbing your clothes or having like a lucky token or some people have like the rubber wristbands that they play with and they toy with um singing a song uh, or even uh, doing something that's like really unique so for me when i'm struggling to just like calm down i will find words around the room and i will um, spell them in the greek alphabet or i will create like a song for each letter in the word. So something that's going to like help distract you, like distraction tactics as well. Breathing is my go-to as well. So deep breathing. So breathing in eight, um, releasing with, um, with 10, slow. So breathing deeply in and then like exhaling out long. Um, there are other just unique things that you can really do as well. Um, guided imagery as well. YouTube is really great with having like audios that you can just sit down with the ocean in the background, creating a safe space in your mind. Now, um, that's a caveat to that because I don't really recommend that for individuals who have like schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder or whatever, like people who struggle with staying fully in the present. Um, but if you are more on like the depressive side or dealing with anxiety or other tra traumatic related stuff, that's something I would consider as well. And then journaling is a huge component as well too, writing out your thoughts dumping, brain dumping, finding ways to get these emotions out until you're able to get to your therapist or until you're able to um, make it to your next appointment 
or even um, calling friends. So your, your, your A-team, your squad, any individual that you know will be available to talk to you at any time of the day. But make sure that you are letting them know that they are a part of your A-team because you don't want somebody to pick up the phone at five o'clock in the morning and they don't really know what's going on or they don't know what to do. So if you are going to enlist individuals within your social support, let them know what's going on so that they can be mentally prepared for it. I gave you more than three. I apologize. <laughs> wait, wait. Nah, it's that's 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 okay. The more the merrier. Send us send us the invoice later for the extra. All right, I got um, y'all. <laughs> no, but but Sierra, um, man, this was really insightful on so many levels, and uh, it just. It was such a pleasure, you know, like we we really appreciated you, you know, spending some time with us to be able to talk about everything that we've discussed. For anyone you know who's listening and this is their first exposure to you, what would be some contact information or some social media information that you would want to leave with them? Definitely. So you can reach out to me via LegacySPKS.com. Uh, I respond faster via Instagram. So you can find me on, uh, on Instagram at LegacySPKS. And it's literally that for everything, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, on my YouTube channel for like free interviews with licensed professional counselors. Um, head over to my YouTube channel. You just type in Legacy Speaks and just speaks full out. And that's there. I always provide uh, interviews every week, as well as just like free game on the mental health industry. Because like I said, I, I work um, on the front end and I've also worked on the back end on like the entire process on how to get a person from the hospital into their psychiatric facility. So um, just feel free to slide in my DMs. I'm always sliding in other people's DMs to collaborate. So just uh, reach out to me in any way imaginable. Perfect, perfect. Well, Sierra, again, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We really appreciate you. To our lovely listeners, if you got some value from this episode, which you should have, subscribe, share, comment, hit Sierra up, you know, tell her how valuable the episode was to you. And as always, until next time. Well, real quick before you end. Real quick before you end, okay. don't forget to tell our listeners, Carl. Listen, real quick. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Also, make sure, listen, I, I'm going to say this now and I'm going to say this again. There will come a day where our shirts stop being free, y'all. That day ain't today yet, but that day's coming. So text the word shirt to 321-384-6275. That's 321-384-6275. Five to get you one of our free OTC t-shirts. They're free because we love y'all. We're trying to make sure everybody can get one. Um, also, you know, we're about the culture, we're about the people. So make sure to text that number, text the word shirt. You have to text the word shirt in order to be able to get it for free. So I just want to add that last piece in there before we forgot, man. All right. And on that note, until next time, peace and many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. This episode was brought to you by the Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money.
Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really do not have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. You can find help at www.preptgrindotc.com. This episode was also brought to you by Physio Memes. Physio Memes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand with an online store. Physio Memes. Thank you for listening. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.